0: I've been living and working here in the Fraser Valley since August of 2002. One of the things that drew my wife and I to the area was we could play golf and cycle pretty much year-round. And for the first four years here, we really did. We went to Wentings and bought the fenders for the bikes. We bought the rain gear and the booties and the gloves. We got used to cleaning our chains after every ride. But after a few more years, we got soft. We became, as my wife likes to say, West Coast wimps in essence, fair weather riders for the months of the dark season, which we know are November through till February. This year, with that unusually yucky spring, meant that we probably didn't get onto the roads until March. Yes, that rugged Albertan chick and Saskatchewan guy were no tougher than any of the locals. On the other end of the scale, we have icons of the bike here in the Fraser Valley, especially in the Wannock and Ruskin areas. Rumor has it that once upon a time, Swain Tuft lived in a culvert with a family of badgers on the corner of 272nd and 100. A more believable local story involves the Eggman. He's the guy that every motorist who's traveled between Ruskin and Daroche seen. That ever-smiling, flower-toting, egg-carrying machine has been plying those roads since dinosaurs were around. And he's still out there. Another one of the characters from the area is our guest today on Fitspeak, Galen Keller. He's a bit of a blend between Tuft and the Eggman. He rides in all sorts of weather, and he's fast. Man, is he ever. Just a couple of weeks ago, under some not-so-favorable conditions, he unleashed a 53-minute, 40-kilometer time trial. Now, to put that into perspective that non-cyclists can relate to, that's about the same as running a 32-minute sun run or swimming a mile in just over 15 minutes. Galen, welcome to Fitspeak. So Galen, what kind of
1: sports did you do growing up as a kid? Uh, when I was little, I played uh, soccer and t-ball uh, a little bit. Um, I couldn't see very well when I was younger. Um, I had a eye condition called keratoconus. Um, so ball sports were, were never uh, never all that exciting for me. Never tried
0: uh, golf? No,
1: no, never did golf. Uh, um I ended up uh playing soccer for a little while and that that was not too bad because uh you could you could feel feel the ball a lot more it was it was a little less visual but uh it never really had a lot of draw for me and uh yeah it wasn't until uh, mu- much later that uh ended up uh getting my eyes fixed uh, corrected uh, in high school and and uh ended up playing rugby for a few years and that was it was a lot of fun. Um, once, once I could see and uh, participate in sport, like, and understand exactly what people were getting out of it, it, it became a lot of fun. And, um, and of course, the camaraderie of, of team sports is, uh, is uh, quite rewarding. I made some really good friends in, uh, in rugby that uh, lasted through into university, and, and uh, yeah, that was a really rewarding part of my high school experience for sure.
0: So a guy with a big engine, such as yourself, any attempts at uh, cross country running or track and field?
1: Um, yeah, a little bit. Um, I, I did uh, participate in cross country. Um, it was mostly uh, at the insistence of uh, my gym teachers. Um, That's what they do. <laughs> they were they were really keen on, uh, on on exposing everybody to a variety of different different sports. And uh, it's only later in life that I realize what they were trying to do and, and trying to give people the opportunities to uh, to find what they were good at, what they enjoyed, and uh, it was, yeah, really valuable. I didn't realize at the time why they were trying to make me do all this stuff, but uh, yeah, it was a lot of, yeah, that was a good, good, good part of high school as well. So
0: growing up as a kid, what's uh, your hometown?
1: I was born in Quinnell. I spent most of my uh, time growing up in Vancouver uh, while my dad was uh, articling as a lawyer in Vancouver. And uh, moved around quite a bit uh, in Vancouver and never really settled in in one spot too long. And uh, yeah, eventually moved out to Maple Ridge. Uh, So we've lived out in Maple Ridge, East Maple Ridge, for uh, probably 23 years now.
0: So growing up, uh, what kind of role did your mom, your dad, perhaps brothers and sisters have in your early
1: sporting career? Um, that's been an interesting one for me to think about uh, over over the years. My my mother did get me involved in in the, the soccer and t ball. Um, my dad was really against sports. Um, he. Absolutely hated the idea of, of, of participating in sports, and we butted heads on that issue. Uh, especially once I got into cycling, we had many arguments about it. Uh, he considered it a, a complete waste of time. Um, He's very, very pragmatic uh, man, very money oriented, and. Uh, and honestly, I can I can see his point from that perspective. Uh, getting involved in cycling wasn't uh, wasn't a very uh, sure thing. I mean, you could make a lot of money if you got to the very top, but uh, there's a very slim chance, like all sports, of, of making it to that that really big payoff. So, uh, as far as uh, an investment, it wasn't a very good one, uh, money-wise. But uh, but yeah, um, it was uh, sort of a difficult part of our relationship and the fact that he didn't he didn't really approve of that and still doesn't really no he he sure doesn't and we don't talk about it anymore now that now that I live on my own and do my own thing (laughs) pay your own bills yeah pay my own bills exactly yeah
0: well as long as I've known you and this goes back probably about 12 13 years you've always been on the bike and you've always been fast but you weren't always fast tell us about the early days how you uh, got to be the machine that many of us believe that you are
1: Well, it's always been for me about getting where I want to go. What does Um, that mean? The bicycle has always been my mode of transportation and I've always wanted to go further and given the the time constraints of life to get further, you got to go faster. (laughs) And so, yeah, when I wanted to explore and I mean, this goes back to when I was very, very young, even as young as like two years old, three years old. I'd take off on my tricycle um when my dad was in uh, in university and we were living in student housing and i'd take off on my on my tricycle and go explore and looking back now i probably explored further than many mm-hmm. parents would would allow and mm-hmm. certainly further than my mum would ever allow if she knew but <laughs> but yeah that's how it started and um i always wanted to get places uh, when i was playing rugby in high school i wanted to go to the practices and that was not something my parents wanted to support. So I rode my bike to school so that I could uh, ride home after practice. It's them. not like and your the, mom
0: and dad are going to drive you to these things, right?
1: Yeah, they didn't didn't like that. We they discussed uh, charging me a taxi fee for um, for coming to pick me up after practice, and I didn't want to do that, so I rode my bike. Uh, <laughs> Boy, your but,
2: parents were shrewd, weren't
1: they? <laughs> yeah, they uh, they had the uh, they had it all figured out. That's for sure. But um, I came from a big family, so there was a lot of uh, a lot of pressure uh, for my mom to do things for all of the different kids. So taking half an hour out of out of her day to come and pick me up was was uh, a bit of a stressful thing especially if there were young young babies at home for her to take care of what uh, about
0: your brothers and sisters have they gone on to big things in sports such as yourself
1: no I'm I'm the rebel of the family Um, where do you
0: sit in the pecking order you oldest son yeah oldest
1: oldest son son. uh, second oldest overall okay Um, there's eight of us in total in in the kids Um, and yeah I'm the only one who's who's ever ever gotten into sports of any kind Um, Have several several Involved in art, drama, music; those those kind of things are, are much more favorably uh, looked upon in my family. Okay, but, uh, yeah, I'm definitely the the uh, the black sheep when it comes to sports participation.
0: <laughs> so you did get good.
1: Yeah, uh, I've had some success. Um, it's it's been uh, kind of hit and miss. Um, I've always had problems with motivation. Um, it's always been my my challenge, but uh, there's certainly life stress that that comes into into that as well um i've tried to do as as well as i could under under the circumstances I had a, uh, a sort of a start to my cycling career after my daughter was born so uh there's always the challenge of uh <laughs> balancing uh, the home home life with uh, with young children at home uh, for anyone who's, who has young children uh, they know that uh, it's, it's difficult to balance the uh, uh the demands of, of Participating in, in home life. And yeah, and the first training. nine
0: years can be very time consuming and really have a lopsided training schedule. But as you know, that does change over time.
1: Yeah, and I've always found ways to work work in uh, cycling. Uh, that's where you know, like commuting uh, comes in uh, into play as being a big part of my training. Um, one of uh, one of the the biggest chunks of training that I ever did when I was mountain biking was. Um, every day uh, i was working at a, a shake and shingle mill down in uh, in in Wannick, down in south maple ridge and i'd get up around noon and take my daughter uh out put her in the bike trailer and ride over to my parents place in maple ridge and then i'd ride down to the mill work ride home and round trip that was about 70 kilometers and Including Frog Hill, if anyone knows Frog Hill and Mission with <laughs> with Willow in the trailer, so yeah. <laughs> no kidding, really. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's been it's always been uh, a big a big part of my my training is incorporating it into into my life and uh, and just when I have to commute somewhere, you can do it on the bike. And if you go hard, it's good training in mm-hmm. in and of itself. So.
0: Tell us about any heroes or role models that you may have had uh, in your early years. Did you have anybody? Did you have any posters of Lance Armstrong or Ulrich? and
1: uh, no i, I didn 't even become aware of uh, of cycling until about the about when uh, Lance Armstrong was just coming uh, coming to his first tour de France wins, and uh, at that time, I was also becoming aware of. Of the the importance that that uh, the drugs played in, in, in that in that sport at the time, and uh, given what I knew about sports performance and, and little research that I'd done, I didn't really look up to any of those any of those uh, uh, pro athletes in the cycling world at that time, and uh, for that matter, many other sports like football and, and hockey uh, were were also <laughs> incorporating that training methodology in into it as well. And so yeah, I didn't really have any sports uh, uh sports heroes. I didn't uh yeah, I didn't really look up to anyone like that. Um if I did have heroes uh or people that, uh, that I looked up to it was is generally outside of that I just think about my like human human rights heroes and you look at I always think of Gandhi I always oh, yeah. love his uh, his life and his his attitude uh, seemed seemed quite different to all the things that I've been exposed to growing up and just thinking about the different perspectives on life that's that's what I've always have always enjoyed you know, looking at people who who see things differently than me and trying to figure out well, why is that <laughs> so that's that's the kind of thing I like but uh, yeah yeah, the sport, the sporting heroes that uh, that were were prominent when I was when I was growing up and getting into sport were, not the not generally the type of people I looked up to. So,
0: so you started not as a road cyclist but a mountain cyclist.
1: That's correct. Yeah, um, I began uh, I began being aware of cycling as a recreational sport as opposed to just commuting. Um, with a, a 1992 issue of Popular Science. Oh, tell they us had, about that. Yeah, <laughs> po- Popular Science, uh, they ran a... Uh, the
0: ain't two- Sports Illustrated we're talking about. No,
1: they had, uh, they had an article, and it was, uh, it was on three different concept bikes uh, by a company called Specialized Bikes, who make a lot of bikes. Um, and they had these very futuristic... Concept bikes that would never make it into production, but I didn't understand that at the time. I just thought they looked amazing. It was 1992, uh, full monocoque carbon fiber frames that looked just absolutely amazing and incorporated some wild technological advancements that, I mean, never made it into production, but I thought it was so cool. And that's how that was my first uh, exposure to the idea of, of cycling as recreation. And from there, uh, it just grew steadily over the years. I saved up a bunch of money, and uh, a few years later, I uh, bought myself a nice mountain bike. And uh, it was a Kona. wasn't a Specialized. Mm-hmm. but uh, Yeah, and uh, that opened up a, a number of, uh, of doors uh, for me. Um, in high school, I all of a sudden was part of the mountain bike click uh, all the guys who who uh were into mountain biking all all of a sudden liked me because huh. i had a nice bike and that's the way high school goes yeah and, uh, but i made made some good friends that way too and uh and uh eventually uh, friends in and out of school uh, got into mountain bike racing i realized i liked riding uphill more than i liked riding down and and uh, got into cross country racing and uh eventually uh reached the top of uh the local, the local BC uh, scene. I was racing elite, and uh, yeah, I decided to move on. Um, I, I didn't uh, didn't like uh, my my options uh, going going forward. I didn't think I had had that many options uh, for for advancement beyond uh, um, beyond the local scene. I'm quite a big guy. I'm almost 200 pounds most of the time, and all of the top mountain bikers in in the in the the, the pro ranks in the world are quite small people, and to go uphill, you got to be smaller. And uh, then I, after that, I moved on to the road. Uh, then on, the, on the road, you can, you can do a lot more as a heavy guy. Uh, you can be a time trialist, which I eventually transitioned into. And when you're going on a flat road, you got to be aerodynamic, but it doesn't matter how much you weigh.
2: <laughs> for a big, for tall guy, you've got great position. Yeah. Well, thank you.
1: Yeah. Um, That's been a a focus of mine for a long time is Mm -hmm. achieving that, that really aerodynamic position and, and practicing it so that I can develop a lot of power in that position. Mm -hmm. Um, Because even if you can, even if you can get into an aerodynamic tuck, uh, you might not be able to produce that much power. And so you won't go very fast, but uh, you got to practice and practice and practice.
0: So when you made that initial transition from being a, a mountain guy to a road guy, what were some of the challenges that you faced? Did you immediately have success or did you find a long time you kind of just had to sit back, learn, pay your dues?
1: There was definitely uh, some some transition uh, to, to be made. Um, the technique is completely different. Um, cornering on a mountain bike... Um, is a completely different experience um i had to learn how to how to counter steer um (laughs) that was that was uh where bruce wenton came into 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 play he's a a fantastic coach and if anybody wants to learn to corner he knows exactly how to tell you how to do (laughs) it and uh so that uh, it being being uh, exposed to uh, some really good coaching uh, out here in the valley was it was a big help in uh, in getting into uh, road cycling and making that transition um, Bruce went to bat for me a few times uh, uh, with getting category upgrades so that I could race in a you know in a category that was appropriate to my my skill level um, he, uh, he got me Bikes and equipment at decent yeah. prices, and he was he's been a, a fantastic support uh, to for me to make that transition, and uh, definitely made that a lot smoother. so uh, having having those support supporting people around you uh, makes it makes a big difference, but there was still a lot to learn. Um, what do you think maybe
0: was the the breakout performance where you actually proved to yourself that you were pretty good on a
1: road bike? Ooh, that's a good question. I think, I think the one, uh, the one that really, uh, made, made me able to believe that I could make the transition was uh, uh, a few years ago when I raced at uh, one of the Super Week races, uh, UBC, and they had a, a Criterium race uh, for the the lower categories. I was so for the category. folks who
0: don't know what a Criterium race is, what is that? Uh,
1: it's a short, short duration race, usually about an hour long, uh, 45 minutes to an hour. Um, it's on a short circuit course, usually about a kilometer long, and it's generally high speed, uh, fast corners, risk of crashing and you've got to, you've got to take a lot of risks. And, uh, and, uh, because of the short duration, people can, can go at quite a high intensity, uh, racing in a pack. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's really exciting, uh, both to watch and to participate in, um, and generally speaking, uh, it's. A mass start, and everybody races together, and the first person across the line in the in the sprint at the end wins.
0: Okay, so tell us more about this big experience that you had that well, kind of proved to yourself.
1: What I what I did was uh, uh, early on in the race, I actually uh, made a bit of an attack. It wasn't a very strong attack, but I was able to get a gap uh, in between uh, me and the people behind me. Uh, and when I saw that I put a little bit of distance between them. I got down into that aerodynamic position and I just went for it. And. With the cornering techniques that I would learned uh, working with Bruce, I was able to uh, extend my lead and uh, was eventually uh, about halfway through the race uh, joined by another competitor, and we worked together uh, to uh, to lap the lap the field. We actually completed uh, the race the race distance one lap ahead um, by by the end of uh, of the race, and that was enough to tell for me to be able to tell myself that yeah I can I can I can do this like I've I've actually learned enough that I can I feel I can actually participate in this in in a real way Um, so yeah that was good good experience did you let the other guy win the sprint uh, he ended up uh, confessing to me afterwards that he was cramping up in, in the in the last uh, lap I, I won the sprint I didn't realize that he was uh, he was cramping up uh, towards the end but uh, I I took the I took the win ahead of him in, in any case yeah
2: <laughs> don't look back
1: yeah you never look never look, never back look in a back. sprint no. no
0: one of the problems about dealing with any athletic people is they're very difficult to judge by the looks of their face as to how old they are, we've got a room Notice of that. people where we could, I could pass for a person maybe years less. Kevin Watts and the same. Chloe is absolute proof and will stay that way for the next 50 years. And then <laughs> we have Galen who's been 30 years old for the past 15 years now. So, how old
2: are you really today, Galen?
1: Well, as of today, I, I did work this out in advance in preparation Wait. for this.
2: Do we have, do, are we going to put this down in, in stone? Are we actually going to say a date and a time today as of (laughs) Okay.
0: Yeah. Well, today is Monday, July 17th, 17th, 2017.
1: And as of today, I'm 37. 37. I always forget because uh, in cycling, we calculate our age based on the the end of the year. That's what Sherry's for. Yeah, so at the end of the year, um, we calculate our age. So all year, I'm racing as a 38-year-old, just the way we calculate ages in this sport. So uh, I, for many years, have always uh, stated my age that way. So I'm 38 now.
0: 38. 38. How do you stay motivated? I mean, you, uh, unlike a lot of us cyclists and triathletes, uh, you're one of these guys who cycle all year round. In fact, you have a special season, which you call velodrome season. So what <laughs> what keeps you motivated? What keeps you driven? Because that's high intensity stuff as well.
1: Yeah, the the, the velodrome is, is very high intensity. It's a really short track, 200 meters long. Uh, you're very very infrequently racing at less than forty kilometers an hour um, most of the races are are up closer to fifty kilometers an hour average speed and it 's tight fast racing uh, really a lot of intensity um, it's 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 very easy to stay motivated when you have uh, a really good environment to to work in Um, that's where uh, the velodrome with its strong community and uh, really exciting race formats um, work in the winter to help keep motivation going and uh, i have a very similar thing out uh, here in mission we have uh, racing uh, in on wednesdays and a really nice uh, really nice group of people doing uh, criterium style racing out uh, through the summer and which club is that that's phoenix velo yeah um we have uh, and because of, because of those two two seasons don't have a lot of overlap but you can uh, you can transition from one to the other quite quite readily and uh, and keep keep the motivation going all year round
3: so just a quick question um, with any of these uh, techniques that you've mentioned with uh, changing up your training even just from like mountain biking to road biking was there anything that you found like intimidating like fear-wise or are you just one of those people that just like jumps on and you're like, I don't care if I like get hurt, I'm just going to do it. Well,
1: I'm the type of person that I'm very, very practical, uh, very, um, uh, very th- thinking oriented, if that makes any sense. <laughs> I, 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 will think things through and, uh, and, uh, plan, plan it out and I have a lot of confidence and a lot of body awareness that I've, I've developed over the years. Um, Continually doing things and trying things and pushing my limits just a little bit at a time and a little bit at a time. Um,
3: so I'm like, exactly gradual than just limit. like jumping in like I'm going to do this kind of thing. <laughs>
1: yeah, e- exactly. And I'll, I'll I'll think for a long time. Uh, a perfect example of that, um, I was out camping years ago and my friends were, were, were cliff diving off this uh, about, Ten-meter cliff into into the ocean, and this was a little bit too much for me. And I thought about it for most of most of the morning, and we were we were hanging out hanging out there. Out comes the protractor. Yeah, and I, <laughs> I calculated the angles. I eventually, did jump in, and it was probably it was probably a little bit later on when the tide had risen, and it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't quite as far down. But uh, yeah, it takes me it takes me. A long time to think about things uh, if, it, if it's something really really brand new and really outside of my comfort zone um, but I will gradually work on things and think do you think, think that think s-
3: saved you in an event where you could have been injured where you didn't
1: absolutely yeah uh, I used to race downhill uh, before I got into into cross-country I did, did some uh, some downhill racing as well um, and I I, I didn't have much success there because I was always cautious. I would I would take the jumps, but I would always uh, be absolutely sure that at the speed that I was going, that I would land and and, and properly execute. Um, very rarely crashed, but I was always I was always too cautious to to really uh, to really make it in a in a, a really adrenaline sport like that. Um, but yeah, it's always. It's always been a, a process of pushing my limit just a little bit a little bit more at a time um, Smart. <laughs> it's 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 it has
2: saved me a a a number of incidents <laughs> what about uh any thoughts on cross racing uh you
1: mean cyclocross yeah uh, I've done cyclocross racing. Uh, for those people who don't know what uh, cyclocross is, it's uh, another format of cycling among the, the the many that are out there. It's again a short, uh, uh, short duration race. Uh, it's uh, again about an hour an hour long typically. Um, it's raced off road on. Sort of modified road bikes with a uh, little bit fatter tires. Uh, the The UCI limit is uh, thirty three millimeters, so um, they're a little bit a little bit bigger than a standard road tire. Um, it is really intense racing. Uh, the way they set up courses for cyclocross, uh, it's usually on on grassy fields and really tight corners. So you know, very very short straightaways. You'll accelerate quickly and then. Stop, uh, come to an almost stop going around a corner. There'll be deliberate barriers to slow you down, and so there's many, many accelerations uh, during the course of hundreds of accelerations uh, every during the course of the race. So it's it's an interval workout to the extreme. And uh, I really like it. It's, uh, it's a lot of fun. Again, being a bigger guy, I have a, a bit of a disadvantage. Uh, it's a lot, of, a lot of weight to move around and, and jump over the barriers and run up the hills and, and that kind of thing. But it's, uh, it, it is a, a really fun race, just given the intensity. And again, the community uh, that, that comes out to cyclocross races has a really good energy, really high energy. So They even accept triathletes. They proof. They definitely <laughs> accept triathletes. Yeah, They're a very accepting, very welcoming community there.
2: Nathan the Killam, team. yeah, he he goes out. He spends the the off season uh, doing the cross races. Uh, and I just bring that up because you're just mentioning triathletes. So mm-hmm. any of the Abbey Tri Club can always come on out during the winter well, we're allowed
3: now. <laughs> yeah well
2: and uh, cyclocross yes. <laughs> yeah on your dry bike yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cyclocross
1: racing began uh in europe uh mm-hmm. for uh road professionals uh something for them to to gain high intensity training during their off season so in the in the shoulder seasons in the winter and and sometimes in the spring uh, they would go out to there to to build their fitness and given the interval nature uh, of the of the racing uh, given that it's it it is off-road so it's quite a bit slower um, so it's uh, safer and uh, um and easier to do in, in cold weather. Um, it, it is a really good like uh, cross cross training uh, for 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 different sports. Really good high intensity uh, training to to do in the off season.
0: So Galen, you've done cycle cross. You've mm-hmm. done the track, as in the uh, the velodrome. Yep. Pretty good time trialist, going what fifty three minutes a couple of weeks ago for forty k. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and also a regular fixture on Wednesday nights over at uh, the Crits. So of all those racing styles, um, which race in particular stands out to you uh, as perhaps one of your proudest moments, your greatest achievement? It doesn't have to be numero uno, but something you walked away, you know, beating your chest, maybe not to the crowd, but inside went, damn, that was a good
1: race. Um, I, w- I was thinking that... Uh the The time that uh, that I'm probably most proud of um, is it, it also co- coincides with with one of the times when I really went a hundred percent in a race. Um, I very rarely do that I usually uh, hold back a certain a certain amount of effort in in reserve but uh, every once in a while I'll go out in a race and go a hundred percent there's one track race that I did uh, several years ago. Um, and it was a it was a a win-and-out race um so on the track we have a variety of different race formats and the win-and-out race it starts uh with a with a neutralized start and you'll typically race for about 15 laps and then you'll uh everybody will sprint and the first person across the line wins the race uh, and then everyone else keeps going and a few laps later they'll all sprint for second place, and every time every time somebody wins a placing they'll remove themselves from the race and everybody else will race for 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 the next next place down the line um, We had a crash mid midway through the, uh, the the early part before the before the first sprint and the race was neutralized we were riding around and I found myself on the front of, of the pack and the bell rang to restart the race we all went for it and I decided I was going to go, 100. percent I was going to go for go for broke, and I established a bit of a gap. We had five laps to go, so one kilometer, and that was the hardest kilometer I've ever done. And I eventually got caught. the The pack chased me down, and one absolutely fantastically talented rider named Zach Kowalczyk from from the U.S. He's national champion from the state from the states on the track, and he caught me with inches on the line and just passed me just before, just before the line to take take first place. And I had given everything I had in that, in that kilometer effort, and I couldn't even stay with the group to, to try for any of the other placings. And so I, I dropped out as well. Um, but that was, that was probably one of my proudest moments just, be, just because of the intensity I went for and, and how hard I tried for it. I came up with nothing through through everything, everything, <laughs> everything on the table in, the, in that gamble mm-hmm. on that one effort and came up with nothing. But again, it's probably one of my proudest moments just because of, of what, I, what I went for and what I tried for.
0: So let's uh, switch to something maybe a bit less serious. Uh, let's talk about training advice. Tell us the worst piece of training advice you ever got
1: worst piece of training advice I ever got was uh, was actually from a fellow competitor um, I want to drop his name uh, well sure why not it's it's Dylan Davies he's an amazingly talented uh, rider I race with him on the track he races on the road and he knows how to train I I, ha- I have to say he he knows how to train and he's willing to put in the effort to really Uh, maximize his performance and uh, he does all the research and um, he does a really good job and has gotten him a lot of a lot of success uh, because of that he's quite talented but he also works very hard he gave me a piece of advice one time knowing how much i rode and um, how i commuted to the track before racing and uh, he was right in in giving me the advice that i should get a car if i got a car i'd be able to maximize my training advantage and i wouldn't be beating up my legs commuting all the time And that I got, if I got a car, I would be able to be faster, uh, specifically in, in sprint situations and high intensity efforts because my, my legs wouldn't be beat up from commuting all the time. That didn't work for me because in my case, when I took out the commuting, I just got lazy and (laughs) I, I ended up driving and I lost quite a bit of fitness, uh, when I, when I did get a car because, uh, um. Without that, without that commuting motivation, uh, I just rode less, and I ended up getting quite a bit slower. So uh, that was that was a learning experience for me. Um, and and probably a learning experience for everyone uh, your competitors as well meaning as they <laughs> may be they might not know the best thing for you it might be a, a really good piece of advice but it might not be the best thing uh, for you so always always take uh, everything with a grain of salt and 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 compare it to uh, what you already know about yourself as well so
0: so now that we know that you're a cyclist over here Chloe null is a triathlete. You're not gonna be competing against each other. So could you give some good cycling training advice to Chloe?
3: Yeah, very fresh triathlete as of this year. So, or even just a beginner cyclist, because as I was saying before, I'm a swimmer, like I've swam my entire life. And this year I'm just starting as uh, learning anything on the bike. So something like you'd say to a very beginner.
1: What I generally tell everyone when they're a beginner is just to relax and take it slow. Uh, everyone wants to uh, advance really quickly. I, I see many novice riders come through, and and when they when they want to they want to advance to higher and higher categories. They want to get fast, quick. Cycling is something that that takes time, and you'll be surprised at how quickly it ends up coming the the skills and the fitness will will come fairly quickly but it will seem slow at first and just just relax and learn everything that you can wherever you're at right now um if you're in a if you're racing in a lower category uh learn everything that you can before you before you try and move up to a higher category um and and try not to uh, to to push everything to to the max so yeah just relax and and enjoy where you're at because uh you can you can burn yourself out way way too quickly if you if you try and push it too hard Mm -hmm. that'd be my that'd be my my single without knowing anything about specifics of of anyone's training um i I would i would definitely say yeah relax take it slow
2: and enjoy it (laughs) enjoy the process exactly
3: albeit it's painful
0: (laughs) was was he on the phone with Killam? because that's that's pretty much what nathan said like two months ago (laughs) correct i I think it's there's a a commonality here yeah i Mm -hmm. I
2: think it's just words of the wise i mean it's just it's a it's a state that you're in when you're you're willing to become better and better and better you're you're just kind of in a different mindset right
3: Mm -hmm.
2: you know yeah
1: i often i often give advice and and coach novices who are are just starting out and it's really encouraging especially uh, young riders i run into a lot of young riders on the track and i always give them that that piece of advice but I sometimes wish I could go back and be that novice and <laughs> make those incredible gains. every week you're just so much faster and more so skilled. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. Chloe's living. Yeah. Chloe yeah. is proof. Yeah. And it, it, it is exciting. Um, once, once you uh, get a bit further on and maybe per, have, have maximized your performance a little bit more, those seconds that you're gaining in, in a, in a time trial become harder and harder to find. Uh, you're, you're, your gains stop being minutes and they start being seconds and then yeah it's uh it's harder it's harder to make those improvements later on um in in some ways it's more rewarding they're they're harder fought battles but uh it's uh it's something i wish i could go back and and experience again the whole experience
3: of being a PR right now it's great (laughs) like i'm on this emotional high (laughs) (laughs)
1: that's awesome
0: (laughs) tell us about one of your favorite rides here in the fraser valley
1: well, it, given the Fraser Valley includes out to Burnaby, I would
0: have We'll to extend say, it out to Burnaby just for you, Galen.
1: I have to say that within the Fraser Valley, the Burnaby Velodrome is by far my favorite ride. Why? You get on the velodrome and it's it's like everything that we love about cycling, uh, the experience, uh, of riding and it's all concentrated. It's like, I always describe it as the espresso of, uh, of the, of the cycling world. Um, if you're, if you're used to going out on a ride, you have, you have your drip coffee and, and you really enjoy that. And then all of a sudden you get this experience and it's just so concentrated. Um, everything happens quicker on the track. Uh, it's really exciting. Um, and,
2: uh, yeah. I, I would I would have to say that's my that's my favorite ride. Um Are you sure? Because there was this time that you loaded your bike up with your trailer and rode, I believe it was to the island to go what was it? Uh Commissaire oh, a race. Do you yeah. remember that was about five or six years ago yeah i've done i've done mountain bike timing that sounded like a pretty amazing ride yeah th- those are a lot of fun and and i do like
1: challenging myself um i, I i've always i've always enjoyed that uh, that that aspect of uh of touring uh with a with a bike and just seeing how far i can go um definitely definitely enjoyed that that one trip that was up to mount washington
2: and, <laughs> that's where it was how yeah. many kilometers was that that was oh it was that was a 12 hour ride at one least, way at, at least a couple hundred yeah yeah um ran, one ran way trip one wow, way oh yeah like,
1: it's it, i don't think it's that quite that far but i think like, this
2: was before facebook too by the way yeah yeah it probably was. <laughs> i think <yeah>. it was
1: <laughs> yeah um I, 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 have, I have enjoyed the, the many different aspects of, of my involvement in cycling. Uh, I do photo finish. Uh, I've done mountain bike timing. Uh, I've organized races. And everything provides a different challenge. And uh, it, it's, it's all been pretty rewarding.
2: You just completed the Positive Spin 200-kilometer ride as well. Yeah. Three weekends ago? Yeah, we did. We did uh, that was hot. It was was very hot. It was like 36 degrees up by Chilliwack Lake. Did Crystal say
1: you could come back next year? Uh, I haven't heard from Crystal to see if she's uh, will, willing to do it again. Uh, I, I usually when w- I usually give people uh, a, a bit of a break before you ask them to commit to organizing a race again the next year. Uh, after all of the work that she put in and the in- incredible hours of, of coordination uh, with all the different uh, municipal uh, organizations and sponsors and, and all the logistics of putting that ride together, um, I, I'll probably give her a few more weeks before before I uh, start pressuring her to, uh, to start organizing next year. And,
0: and Crystal, if you're listening, I don't bite. <laughs> she's, she's been a bit slow to respond. <laughs> uh, one final question. It's a hot summer day, middle of uh, July. What's one of your favorite beverages for the summertime?
1: Well, I got to give a shout out to uh, the Mission Springs uh, they have come up with the the perfect summertime beverage for those of uh, those of us who are uh, of legal drinking age uh, <laughs> it's uh, trailblazer Pil- Pilsner they developed that with they developed that with uh, uh, in conjunction with the, mount, uh, the mountain bike organization, uh, the Fraser Valley Mountain Bike Association, uh, out in the valley here. And they actually uh, kick back some of the proceeds to go to work trail maintenance and uh, the various programs that they, uh, uh, the FEMBA uh, supports here in the valley. So, um, But it is absolutely the perfect patio mm-hmm. drink when it's super hot huh. and I, I quite enjoy that.
0: Okay, thank you so much uh, Kevin or Chloe, any final questions you wanted to get
3: in? Um, I think that covers it for me yeah. uh,
2: Tell us uh, what you're using for your gearing on your bike. I'm just curious, I just want everybody to know that this would be standard issue for what he's riding on a day-to-day basis lately
1: okay well
2: so first of all tell us your size you're obviously six what i
1: i'm six one and a half now yeah can I'm, we I'm ask drunk a little bit yeah
2: can we ask your weight uh
1: i don't know it okay uh i i would estimate somewhere 180? around 190 oh, 190?
2: 190 195 oh you are a chunky little donut oh, aren't you <laughs> yeah. i got i got a i got a bit of a spare tire so but uh so what what are you running for uh your front rings well uh, because I was
1: going over to uh, Nanaimo the other day, um, I had picks, picked up some bike brakes uh, over in Nanaimo and doing a long ride, I switched over the gearing on my uh, t- my commuting bike. Uh, so I am now running uh fifty two thirty six on the front,
2: so oh, semi So you're spinning. Okay. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, what's yeah. in the back? Uh, eleven twenty
1: eight. So it's, oh, it's got yeah, a okay. nice, nice low gear for, uh, for those longer rides.
2: All right. Well, I was only asking, cause I think about a month or so ago, you were running a 56 tooth in the front, weren't you?
1: Oh yeah. On my, well, I do have, I do have multiple bikes. So uh, on my race bike that I use for crits, uh, uh, I do have uh, a 53 tooth chain ring on right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a bit of a gearhead, so I do fine tune oh. my, my gearing quite precisely, um, I always want those perfect ratios for, for whatever I'm trying to do. Um, I was running a 56-tooth up front.
2: Mm-hmm. when I had Single a, speed.
1: No, it was single ring up front. right? But that was only when I had a cassette that had a 16 in the back. When right. I switched the cassette, so I lost my 16 and now I only have a 15, mm-hmm. dropped the front ring down by three teeth, so I still have exactly the same ratio.
0: Plus the intimidation factor with the 56. Yeah. 50. Massive. Massive. It looks huge. Yeah. Darth I mean, Vader rides a 56.
1: I have a 64-tooth uh, a chain ring at home. That, uh, I'm just waiting for the right bike to put on. It doesn't fit on most of my bikes
2: because the it hits the chainstay. It's so big. I can't wait to see that. It's going to be cool. Can I be the driver? And you can uh, draft behind the, ve- the modified vehicle and... I don't know, Utah. He'll be going out to
0: Bonneville. This is the Bonneville bike.
2: That's right. (laughs) That's it. That's it. Well, thank you so much, Galen. Yeah, no problem. That was a lot
1: of fun. Yeah.